Hey, everybody. We're going to come in and grab a seat. We're going to get started here in just a minute. Thank you guys for coming tonight. And Daniel, I think there's one slide right before this one. If we could go to that. Okay. Um, come on in, Steve. Come on in, Doug. So I'm going to start us in prayer, but first I want to just thank you guys for coming. So this is a brand new thing for Maywood. And when something's new, it can be a little scary. Yesterday I took Samuel to karate for the very first time. And we opened the door. He went to the side of the door, like stood for a second. Like he was kind of nervous because everybody in there was looking at him. And it's kind of hard to go into a brand new thing. And then he had the courage and he went in. But all of you guys, just because you're adults, doesn't mean it's not a little bit nervous to go to something new, right? So thank you for being here. Um, yeah, it's a big deal. So thank you guys for that. Let's, let's open a prayer. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are available. There's nothing magical about any one of us or even about this room. But we believe, Jesus, that you want to meet with us. And you do the rest. And so we invite you to come and be with us one-on-one, -on -one, but also be with us together. Knit us together with others so we can become like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is a new approach at Maywood, and this is our little logo up here on the top. And tonight is going to be a little different than future scubas. This is kind of an introduction week, but we are going to still get to do plenty of interactive stuff. So some of you are nervous about that. Some of you maybe are excited. But uh, I'm going to tell us a little bit about where we're headed and like, and then how we're going to get there, right? So like, what are we trying to do? So as a church, this is our logo and really small between Baptist and church is our two vision passages, Matthew 28 and Ephesians 4. And I talk with our leaders about those passages a lot, but it's hard to actually live them out together as a church because they talk about things like baptizing people, but also teaching people to obey everything Jesus has commanded, going out into the whole world and sharing about Jesus that way. It talks about Jesus gifting all of us, but us using our gifts together in perfect unity, not just to be a great group of people or not just to be people that independence likes, to be the fullness of Jesus. Like that together as a group, anything we see Jesus do in the gospels, like if we were all God wants us to be, like that same sort of stuff would be happening through us, right? So that's what Jesus' hope is for us. So to try to make a little clearer or sharper those vision passages, we're going to start talking about this phrase, becoming the fullness of Jesus together. And we're going to be talking about that phrase over and over. And this first quarter as a church, we're going to be focused in on becoming and talking on Sunday mornings about how what we believe and what we trust that really changes the trajectory of our life. And if we really put our trust in God, we'll become more like Jesus, right? If we put our trust in Jesus. So that's going to be on Sunday mornings. But the truth is, what I've noticed about Maywood over, I've been at Maywood since 2011. And I've seen a lot of good stuff at Maywood, a lot of miracles at Maywood. But I've also seen some patterns that hold us back from be in the fullness of Jesus together. And here's two patterns I've seen that we're going to be addressing with Scuba. One is when I get together with any group at Maywood, 
whether it's the leadership board, you know, which they're a mature group of folks making decisions for our church, whether any, you know, it's the serve team on Sunday morning. Some of those folks are brand new to Maywood. Anybody in between those groups, when we say like, okay, everybody take a deep breath, let's slow down and let's just spend five or 10 minutes quality time with Jesus. Every time with every group of people at Maywood, it's always like, a cup of water to somebody that's been hiking in the desert or something. It's always like, oh man, I really, like, that was so refreshing. I really needed it. The spiritual condition of people at Maywood from top to bottom is like, we're, we're pretty dry. We, we need more of Jesus. We're thirsty. But for a lot of us, we're like plowing through life, more and more hurdles. And like, we, it's hard to take a moment and have some quality time with Jesus. And so every week with Scuba, the first half hour together, I'm going to be helping you do that. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But every week we're going to have this encounter moment where you get to spend some time with Jesus right now. Like we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to do it. The next thing we're going to be doing with Scuba, and actually we can go to this next slide. That's kind of our tag for Scuba. Um, or sorry, our little logo. I'm all over the map with you. Sorry. Well, we'll stay here. Sorry, Daniel. I'm back and forth. We'll stay back with the flamingo. Um, here's the deal with scuba is I'll get to our second thing here in a second, but I do want to talk about this flamingo. This flamingo in the kiddie pool, uh, we've all seen kiddie pools are really shallow and they're pretty focused on being safe, right? Like stuff could go wrong in a kiddie pool, but like it's, it's nothing like the ocean, right? Uh, and if you're an 18 month old or something, you might actually, a kiddie pool might be a growth step for you, right? Like getting used to water, getting used to your face underwater or something like that. But a lot of people, when they see a kiddie pool, they're not drawn to it at all, right? They, there's no adventure there for them. There's no excitement there for them. There's no challenge there for them. It's not really age appropriate, right? When you're an adult, you're like, this is not made for me. It goes up to my ankles or something, right? But this is easy and very safe. And some of you have probably been frustrated at times that you know how to get like an easy and unchallenging experience that's spiritual, but you don't necessarily know how to go further than that. And at some point, like that's no longer what you need, right? And I've, I've heard not just, this is not exclusive to Maywood. Most Christians, I've been around other churches, other ministries, there'll be this phrase about like, oh, I really want to go deeper. I really need to go deeper. Or I'm even leaving this church and going to this other one because I need somebody to, to take me deeper. The scuba thing that we're going to experience, it is going to be more like this picture on the right where you got multiple people going down into the ocean somewhere, some sunken ship with some fish and stuff. Where those scuba divers, when they started, they probably couldn't tell all that they were going to get into. They didn't know all the outcomes, right? That's what makes it an adventure is like you don't know how it's all going to turn out. Something dangerous like could happen, right? Somebody even could get hurt. Like there's more danger to that. And these scuba divers had instructors at some point, like someone taught them how to dive, but they had to be the ones to actually go there with their friends. 
And I think the frustration um, that sometimes can come to other church leaders when I'm talking about this sort of stuff with them is their church members talk about wanting to go deeper, but they what they want is somehow to be able to sit in a pew and not do anything difficult, but go deeper, right? And like, that's not how it works. Like a pastor or someone else can show you different pieces, but they, they can't take you to the depths that God wants you to go to. Like you're going to have to swim there, right? So scuba isn't like, man, Jake's going to come in and tell us stuff that no one else has ever understood before. And we're just all going to be like so deep at the end of listening to Jake. Like that's, that's not what's ahead of us, right? But I am going to show you like, here's some very practical pieces. Like if you will engage, if you will fully put your heart in this, if you'll have courage, then there's the real opportunity to go deeper than you've ever gone and to build relationships like you haven't built at Maywood before. Because when I was talking earlier, one thing I've seen at Maywood is people are so thirsty for quality time with Jesus. But a lot of folks, they maybe have some idea how to pray. They have some idea how to read the Bible. But they've not been taught very much about how... They kind of have maybe one or two ways to try to spend time with Jesus. So each week at Scuba, we're going to spend time with Jesus in a different way to where at the end of the year, you're going to have a lot of different avenues on how to spend time with Jesus. But the second piece is when I've been at Maywood since 2011, I've seen a lot of people come to Maywood. I've seen a lot of people leave Maywood. I've seen a lot of people go through hard things and fall apart like when life got hard. And I know some, some of the falling apart is through like they've suffered somewhat alone through something hard. That Maywood is one of the most welcoming places, maybe the most welcoming church I've ever seen. Like if you're in here on a Sunday morning, like one of our biggest strengths is the way we greet everybody, right? Like the room is even built to where when people come in late, like they're the center of attention, right? And like that's how our room is built. And like we just embrace it and we talk with them and we say hi and everybody's greeting and yelling and it's really warm and affectionate. But people normally don't have deep conversations about problems in their marriage. They don't spend a ton of time together outside of church for the most part. There's exceptions to that. But a lot of times someone doesn't come to someone else in love and say like, I care a lot about you. We've laughed together a lot. We've cried together at some point, but I need to tell you like you're not treating your wife the right way or you really need, I think you really need to do different with what's happening with the way you're spending your money or something. Like we're nowhere near like that level of interaction or depth where we're real brothers or real sisters and people can really get involved in a loving way. Like we, like that's really far from where we've been. So how do we take steps towards it? What we're going to do in the last hour of scuba each week is we're going to have a group with the same people every week. And that's going to take you guys showing up each week. I think that's going to be a big piece of whether this succeeds or fails is the consistency that we have in this room. But if you'll show up every week, you'll be partnered with the same four people every week. You're going to answer the same three pretty basic but pretty vulnerable questions each week. If you will get together with a group of Christians and be honest about your real struggles and what God's really telling you, you're going to wind up a year from now having three really deep relationships. 
Like that's the potential. There is the potential for someone to hurt someone else or someone to gossip in some way that's terrible. Like there is danger in opening up this much to each other. But there's also this opportunity of like, if we want to have real family at Maywood, like we have to really open up to each other and say like, let's go together to be more like Jesus, right? So a little bit more detail on these two things before we go on. So we got this one more slide that just says two parts. So I'm going to talk about these two parts with some analogies from my own life to help us a little bit more. On the spending time with Jesus and like, do I really need this? If you're the type of person who's already praying every day, you're already reading the Bible every day, you might think like, do I really need like random devotional help from Jake? Well, when I was a teenager, I mean, I didn't dig a ton of holes, but I had to dig up plants occasionally, had to help my dad, had to help different little organizations and stuff. I dug some holes, but as a teenager, the only thing I ever had used to dig a hole my whole life was a shovel. And it wasn't until I was probably 20 or 21 that somebody put a pickaxe in my hand and we were digging trenches for a little tiny foundation we were building. And I had never used a pickaxe ever before. And I can remember I had made trenches with shovels before. Had, would you make a, the first time I used a pickaxe, I just thought this is so much better. And like so much better, right? Cause you get, to, I mean, I can't hardly do it with one hand, right? But you get to like straddle the thing you're trying to dig and you can dig easily like a straight kind of square into the ground. It like makes you stronger, faster, and like it looks better, like it functions better in the end too. It's just a way better tool for digging certain things, right? And if you work with your hands, if you work with tools, you know like that same experience I had, you can have a hundred times over. Like that's why they make different tools, right? That's why there's more than just a shovel and a hammer at Lowe's is because like you could do a lot of jobs with a shovel, but you could do them a lot faster and a lot better with other tools. And for some of us, like we've had a shovel for a while with Jesus and we've been able to get by for a while just reading one chapter of the Bible every morning before we touch our cell phone. Like if you've been doing that, like you probably are having some good encounters with Jesus. But if that's all you've ever done is I read a chapter in the morning, like you, you're gonna have moments if you will engage with this stuff where you feel like, oh, like I did with the pickaxe. Like, this is so much better. I wish I would have learned this a long time ago. And it's not that it replaces. Once I learned how to use a pickaxe, it's not like, oh, I never use a shovel again, right? It was just like, now I use a shovel for certain things. I use a pickaxe for certain things, right? So that's that piece of what we're about to do here in a minute with Jesus. I want to tell you one more story and then we'll dive into kind of more of our normal rhythm and there was a period of my life where as an adult, like I got to a spot where I felt like I just had no deep friendships at all. Like I didn't have anybody I was close to really. And that's a bad spot to be at. Maybe somebody in the room right now feels like that too. Like maybe you don't feel like you have any close friends. Maybe you used to, or maybe they're out of town or whatever. So I started to pray for Jesus uh, to give me some friends. That kind of sounds like a pitiful prayer, but that is a true prayer. So, uh, but there's this verse in Psalms, I want to, it's in the 80s somewhere, I forget the exact, the exact spot. But the Psalm says, open wide your mouth, it's God talking to the Israelites. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Like this idea that God wants to bless them, but they need to open up to the blessing, right? So I, I knew that principle, just we talk about it at Maywood sometimes, like if you're praying for a job, but you're sitting on your couch, like you're not, 
really open to receiving the blessing, right? You got to pray for the job and put out some applications, right? So I started hanging out with some people, right? And so you spend time with people, you try to build friendships. Probably you guys have done a lot of the same stuff I would do to try to make friends. Something I did that I think is not so common, because when I coach people at Maywood with it, you guys act a lot like Samuel did with karate. I'm like, whoa, suddenly you can see how nervous they are. Like suddenly they're kind of crouching a little bit. And the thing that I did that I've found that lots of people are super like, I don't want to do that. Is I got to the spot, I was actually here in this hallway at Maywood, it was right up by the East Doors where I stopped this other guy and I confessed something to him. And it was not this like giant, like, oh my goodness, this scandalous, Jake would be ashamed if other people found out about it, right? Um, the general theme was I'd been rude to Chrissy, my wife, at some point that week, you know, so probably every husband could have a similar confession, right? But I confessed that to him. We prayed about it, and our relationship went from, it changed just in that one kind of five-minute moment. And it started to go from a good acquaintance to like a deeper thing. And probably my deepest friendship I have currently is with that person that I confess that to you. And like that started a change that then meeting with them regularly, confessing deeper things, praying for each other, like it, it just got deeper and deeper. But the, the thing that, the secret sauce to what worked out there was that a healthy confession was a piece of it. And I know at Maywood, like it's scary to confess things to other people. Sometimes in men's group, you know, normal Wednesday night, people will confess certain things like I shouldn't have done meth this week or I should stop cussing at work. Like those seem to be the two that we could really talk about, you know. But there was like, people have a hard time sharing like this is how I failed or this is how I messed up or this is what I did that I'm ashamed about this week. It's very scary to do that. But I also know if you don't feel like you have the friendships or the, the siblings in Jesus that you want to have, like this is a piece of how Jesus wants our friendships to work. James talks about it. James 5 talks about confessing one to another and praying for each other. Um, but, okay, so I've given us kind of a lot of pep talks, but now we get to experience what I'm talking about. So the first thing we're going to do tonight is we do this slide up here. This is going to be our meditation tonight. If, when you hear of meditating, if you think of like wax on, wax off, like Karate Kid or something, uh, meditating gets used in a lot of religions. But Christian meditation, as opposed to some other types of meditation, it's not about just emptying your mind or emptying yourself out. Christian meditation is about letting go of all this other stuff so you can be filled up with Jesus, right? So you want to have a pure encounter with Jesus where you're not distracted, but you're focused, right? So there's a lot of different ways to meditate. What we're going to do today, the like fancy way to say it is identity and implications. Uh, I almost, the first time I wrote this, actually wrote partridge in a pear tree meditation. I thought it was too silly maybe for our first one, but uh, the song, you know, about the 12 days of Christmas, everybody remembers the first gift, right? If you ask them, like, what's the day 11 gift? People get, I mean, somebody knows it probably, but like, I don't know what the day 11 gift is. Uh, 
but everybody remembers the first one, right? And that's because you say the first one over and over and over and over with the song, but you only say the 11th one twice, right? So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to read a very short, like a half of a verse that gives us an identity statement about God. And all through the Bible, you'll find these identity statements. They're really important. Anytime you see the Bible saying like God is or Jesus is or Jesus himself saying something like I am, like those are really important moments. The identity of God is really what everything else in all creation is built off of. So whenever there's an identity statement about God, you can zoom in on that and make that kind of your partridge in a pear tree. Like you want to come back over and over and over to the identity statement. But then you can branch out with some of these passages and look at the implications. Especially in the epistles, a lot of times, it will tell us something about Jesus or something about God. And then the verses after it will be about like, what are the implications? Like, what does it matter that God is that or that Jesus is that? So when we do this identity and implication meditating, you want to find a verse in the Bible that gives you the identity of God. And then you're going to stair step over and over back further. Or you're going to like read the verse about God's identity. Then you're going to pause and meditate on it. Then you're going to read the verse about God's identity and the next verse and pause and meditate. Then you're going to, read the verse about identity and the next verse and the next verse and then pause and meditate. Then you're gonna read the verse about identity and the next verse and the next verse and the next verse and pause and meditate. So it's kind of like that song, right? So you're gonna wind up hearing that identity verse a lot of times, whereas the other verses you'll hear some, right? And the other verses are telling you like, here's what that matters for us as Christians. But the thing you really wanna get deep in your heart is who is God or who is Jesus? So you're hearing this, you're like, maybe it doesn't make sense, right? We're going to up it a little further too. of tonight's passage is going to talk specifically about light. And so we're going to have this candle. And I like to do candles when I'm meditating anyways, because it helps me come back to focus. But especially if your identity statement has something that you can somehow represent in a way that you can touch or feel or smell, like, then you want to do that, right? If, G- if you're reading about, like, Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life, then it doesn't hurt to have bread, like, baking in the oven or to be eating bread, whatever the best bread is you could find, right? Whether it's Sara Lee or something that Tony Spradling made, like, but it doesn't hurt, right, to experience something as you're meditating. Like, it'll help, it'll help you focus, right? So when we're doing all this stuff, it's like stacking the most you can, right? So what we're going to do is only going to take about 10 minutes, but it's probably going to feel different than how you've spent 10 minutes with Jesus in your own kitchen recently, right? But this isn't something you couldn't recreate on your own, right? You find an identity verse, you find a physical object that kind of represents it, you get that object in front of you, you read the verse, you pause. You read the verse and the next verse and pause. Read the verse and the next two verses and pause, right? So that's what we're going to do together. You don't need a Bible in front of you. I'm going to read it for us. Uh, we will, after, after we do this passage, I'll take us through the passage in writing if you guys want to see it. But sometimes we're really used to reading off the page. And tonight, just for difference sake, just spend the time trying to focus in on the light and trying to listen, right? So... Um, 
last piece of advice before we pray and do this time is I know you and all of us, like we're distractible. Our attention span is like worse than a goldfish, right? Because we have cell phones. So you're gonna get distracted about like, I can't believe that relative said that the day after Christmas or whatever. Like weird stuff is gonna come into your head. Every time you get distracted, don't beat yourself up and waste more time and don't think about what you should have said to that relative or whatever, you know, like instead, just look back at the candle and it's a chance to return to Jesus, right? Like we can't spend every moment perfectly in tune with Jesus. A lot of times the best we can do is keep returning to Jesus, right? So if you get distracted a thousand times, heard this from another pastor, if you get distracted a thousand times while you're trying to pray, like it's a thousand chances to come back to Jesus, right? So just keep looking at the candle, trying to focus in on who is God and what's the implication? Like, what does that mean for me, right? Um, So let me light this. Chuck is going to get the lights for us. Jesus, I pray that you would be with us, that you would reveal yourself to us. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin.
God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. God is light. In him is, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Let's pray. God, you are light, and in you there is no darkness at all. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we did that. I don't know how long of an experience that felt for you, if it felt very quick or short. It was about six minutes. It really wasn't that long of a time. We probably all in our house have spent five or ten minutes with Jesus, but it is a little different doing it this way. I think if all you ever did with Jesus was this, like it might kind of like building a house with a pickaxe, like it might not work out, right? But on some day where you're feeling like you're not close to Jesus, like maybe doing this, even if you only had 10 minutes, like it's a different thing, right? 
It's a different way to say, like, I really want to focus in on who God is. Or when you're reading the Bible, if an identity statement jumps off the page to you, maybe you think like the next day, like, okay, what could I do to do this partridge in a pear tree or this uh, identity and implication meditation, right? So that was our time with Jesus, a relational building with Jesus. And now we're at like the seven o'clock time period. We're going to do this time where we break into groups here in a moment and, and do some relationship building with each other. Tonight, just like that one, had a lot of explanation first. I'm going to give you some more explanation tonight than we'll have on a typical night. But uh, before we get there, let me read this passage to you, just in case you want to see it uh, firsthand. So, Daniel, if you could go to that first John. Uh, I did the second half of verse 5, but here's the whole verse. It says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. Like you probably almost have that part of the verse memorized at this point, right? Um, Verse six, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Verse seven, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. I'm gonna pause for a second. Normally, if you're devotionally reading this, there's a lot happening even just in that one verse. But the way we just read it, your heart has a little bit more weight towards the light and who God is. Then normally when we just read it quickly, by the time we get to something like this, we're thinking about our own sin or about getting forgiveness. We're a little less focused on God's identity. It's not really that one is wrong or right, but the way this is like the pickaxe, like it's, it's got a different approach. It keeps you more centered in on who is God, right? So verse eight If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I'm just going to be honest. One of the reasons I picked this passage, I wanted it to be a good primer for us with confessing to each other of like all of us have fallen short in different ways, right? There's none of us that don't have something that we could say like, this is how I fell short, right? Uh, Verse nine though is the bigger verse for tonight. If you've never ever received a confession from someone else, this is a great verse to hold on to because when someone else confesses to you, this, if I could give you one piece of advice, it would be to share this verse with your Christian friend. When someone says like, this is how I messed up, they don't need your advice. They don't need you to say like, that's okay. It's not a big deal. I've done worse. You know, they don't need that. They need to hear from somebody like Jesus forgives you. And you can claim that because of verses like this. Like this is a great one to claim. Like if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then verse 10, if we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Um, so that was the passage we just read. Uh, sometimes we'll have these experiences. You might have a lot of thoughts bubbling up in you of like, man, that was really powerful. Like, we don't exactly have a discussion time right now, but that doesn't mean you can't discuss it with somebody when you get home or on the car ride or with a youth or a kid that you pick up or with somebody from your group in a little bit, like hold on to it. Like when you experience something with Jesus, it's good to share it. Um, But I do want to transition us to this next part. So before we get into groups of four, I'm going to go back to our scuba little slide here. Tonight, we're going to be breaking into groups of four. Some of you, I think, have already come up with partners. Some of you are like, I didn't know we were doing this at all. Right. And so 
we're going to take some time to like match make, but our groups of four need to all be the same gender, right? So when you start sharing real deeply and opening up to each other, it just, it's going to work better for our whole church family. If it's all guys doing that and all females doing that, right? Like we, you can figure out why on that probably, but that's how we're going to do it. So it's all men in groups of four and then all women in groups of four. Um, other than that, I don't have rules for you, right? Like you could pick your favorite person in the room or you could pick somebody you don't even know their name, right? And like there's different pros and cons to that. Um, but I'm, tonight we're going to start with kind of like a question zero, which is like kind of a get to know you question because you might not even know the people's names in your group. Also, if you meet together tonight and for whatever reason it's not going to work out, that doesn't mean you can't come to scuba anymore. Like we need to get you locked into a group of four fairly quickly, but we're going to figure it out as we go. Right? So if you guys meet together and you feel like, well, this isn't the right fit, but I still want to come or something, we can figure that out. And if you need me to help with some sort of difficult conversation, like I can help with that. Right. Um, and you might have somebody like, I heard, you know, somebody wanted to be here tonight, but they were sick and somebody else wanted to be here tonight, but they had to babysit and stuff. So, if you wind up with only three tonight because you know someone else is coming or whatever, like that's fine. But try to get into a group of four. And ideally, that group of four you start with tonight, you'll be with them every Wednesday the rest of the year. I said ideally because people get sick and stuff happens. and But that's what we're hoping for. I also, right from the gate, we're going to talk about this as the year goes on, but right out of the gate, I want to tell you, it's January 3rd, 2024. The way scuba works is on January 8th, which is the first Wednesday that we'll meet in 2025, the group that you're in tonight is going to split into two new groups and ideally have two more members, right? So these people that you partner with tonight, they're not meant to be your scuba partners for the rest of your life. Like, yeah, Marcus is like, no, like, and there, there's a lot of reasons for that. But the one I want to focus on tonight is like healthy things in God's creation, like healthy things reproduce. Like that's the normal, that's one of the normal signs of health, right? Is that there's reproduction at some point. And for this group, like ideally you're going to get really close to three other people this year. But it would be kind of a tragedy if you just stayed close to those three people and nobody else at Maywood the rest of your life. But if we do it this way and you come to scuba for five years you're going to be in the double digits, ideally, of people that you like really know well and you've built up some trust with, right? And you're going to get to know some different folks, but also we're going to get to grow. Part of the Great Commission, it's not about big numbers for numbers sake, but it is about like people need to have real life in Jesus and we want to spread what Jesus has given us, right? So ideally, your group of four will say like, okay, the two of us are going to go find two new people and the two of you go find two new people and next year we'll be back in the same room, but it'll now be two groups where there was only one group to start. So I don't want to tell you that from the beginning before you like settle on like it's us forever, right? Like, um, okay, uh, we're going to do this get to know you thing and share a little bit and we're also going to just break into groups. Now we've got the balcony. If you really want to like make sure no one overhears you, like you can go to the balcony if you want. If you want to be somewhere else, that's fine. If your doctor told you you need to be distant from people, you know, I, you know, because you're sick or something, like you can, 
There's not a super hard, fast rule. If there's some reason that you have to stay by yourself, you can. But ideally, what we want to do right now is spread out in the sanctuary, get with three other people of the same gender, and then I'll tell you our next step, okay? Talking about this question zero, uh, we're going to be doing introductions. So obviously, share your name. And then here's the thing. I know some of you like hate Quick Trip and some of you are big Starbucks fans or whatever, but our, question, our opening question is if you had to go to Quick Trip and get a treat of some sort, like what's your favorite? You, you might really love it or you might be like, I guess I'll settle for this even though Starbucks is across 23rd Street or whatever, right? So uh, think that through. I'm going to go and hand around to each group a piece of paper that has like your name, your address, your phone number, and your favorite thing from Quick Trip. I'd like you guys to fill out one of these per group, and then I'll give you guys some more instructions with it. We're gonna turn them in at the end to me, if you guys are, to give you a heads up on that. But I wanna share this amongst the group so you guys can get in touch with each other in coming weeks, okay? So I'll hand these around, but start doing names and your favorite snack. Okay, so keep filling those sheets out. And with that little info sheet, uh, once you have it all filled out, if each person in your group would just take out your phone, take a picture of it, and that way you guys each have it. And then at the end, I'd like you to turn it in to me just because I'd like to know who all was here tonight. Um, but here's gonna be our next question. And these three questions are pretty intense. Um, each of them might get a little progressively, the next two at least are a little more than this one even. Here's, to give you just some coaching, like a little advice for tonight, is you don't have to go from zero to 100 miles an hour, right? Like, don't feel like, oh man, I better bring out everything, right? Or like, here's all my deepest, darkest stuff, right? I think it's okay to just be a little bit vulnerable, right? Like just a little bit more than you would at Quick Trip, right? Like a little bit more than maybe you have in your normal Wednesday night small group. You wanna do eye contact with the people in your group, right? Like look at the people in your group. People in your group, like be paying attention. When someone else says like how they're really doing, like pay attention to them. Look at them fully in the face. Pay attention to what's going on. Because over the course of the year, you want to get to know them better. And there might be a week where they tell you that everything's fine. And because you've been paying attention to them, you're like, that's, that's not true. What's really going on? You know, and like that's being a, a good group member, right? But you don't get to say that if you don't pay attention on the normal weeks, right? So, and, and if this is a super hard week, you can share that if you want. But if you're in a group and you're like, I don't really know these folks, like my honest advice would be like, let's just start with small stuff and see how it goes, right? Uh, Proverbs talks about like guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. Uh, we want to be vulnerable in these groups. I wish I could say like Maywood's a perfect place. Nobody ever lets anyone down. No one ever gossips. No one's ever critical, right? Like, but the truth is like, 
we want to build trust with each other. And it's okay to just start small and build bigger, right? I also will say to each of us, like we build the trust starting right now, going all year, but you can destroy it in just a single conversation with somebody, right? So when somebody shares something in this room and needs to stay in your group of four, and that's it. If you're married, some not, different couples work differently with that, but you're responsible for that. If you share everything with your spouse, you need to be responsible that your spouse is not going to share it beyond that, or you need to not share it with them. Like that's your responsibility. Past your spouse, like you need to get permission from the person who told you before you share it with anybody else, right? And if you're like, oh, this is no big deal. Well, like just ask them and make sure, right? Uh, it's always better to err on the side of not sharing stuff that might be personal or shaming to somebody else, whether you think it's shaming to them or not, right? It's very important that you guys are able to trust each other. Now, if somebody shares something that involves that someone else is in like physical danger, like I'm just going to set the ground rule for all of us. Like those aren't secrets that we keep, right? Like if someone shares something, you realize like, wow, there's a kid that's been really in physical danger. Like some the authorities need to know about this or whatever. Like, okay, right out of the gate. Like we're not promising to keep each other's secrets to the, or if somebody in your group is suicidal, like your group might not be able to handle that. In fact, I'm just going to tell you, like your group should not just keep that in your own group, right? But if somebody shares that they're really struggling with pornography and their spouse doesn't know about it, like you don't need to be the one to go tell their spouse. Like you need to be the one to tell them to go tell their spouse, right? Like, and if at any point you feel like this is getting inappropriate, like we need to break this and they don't, they say that we don't, like you probably need to come to me or Rachel, if you're a lady, you want to come to somebody on staff that's a lady, like, and say, this person doesn't want us to break trust on this, but I feel like we need to or whatever. This is a lot of coaching on this to basically say the basic rule is like, just keep it amongst yourselves. Like you have Jesus, you have each other and like get through things together. And if there's not a physical danger to somebody else, if somebody's safety is not in trouble, like don't talk about it. It's much better not to talk about it. Um, so this first one, how are you really doing? You could share a lot or a little on that. I'm going to guide you on like when it's time to move on, but we're going to have three questions. And right now we spent a lot of time in introductions. So tonight we're going to have about 10 minutes on each of these questions. So if you have four people, you have like two or three minutes to share. So, Try to share in about two, three minutes. On a normal week, we'll have about five minutes to share on each of these questions, right? Okay. So, and if some of the groups are in groups of five tonight, that's okay for tonight. Ideally, we want to get into groups of three or four if we can. You will be blessed with deeper relationships with the people in your circle, but also you will be a different woman or you will be a different man. Like there's just... You're inviting God's light into the dark corners of your heart when you do this stuff. So this one takes courage. I had some conversations with people that aren't in the room, and I think like this question is what kept some people from showing up tonight, which like isn't a judgment on them. Like maybe they have a different avenue to do it, right? But please don't like skirt around this one, right?
and just come up with something that's really not very genuine. Like, show up to this each week because this one, it opens you up to being changed by God. And it's, how have you sinned this week? And I kind of sneak in a second question of like, what are, what are you going to do about it or what did you already do about it? You know, so like I shared earlier, I'd said something rude to Christy. Well, like, hopefully, like, I apologized for that, right? And it's okay to make changes after you've made a mistake or after you've done something wrong. But you want to talk about it with that group. Even if it's like, a, I messed up and I didn't do anything about it. Like, at least be honest about that, right? Um, this isn't a time to feel ashamed. It isn't a time to give advice to your other group members. It is a time when someone shares to look them in the eyes and say, thank you for confessing that Jesus has forgiven you. And the how have we sinned this week, my guess is you can remember that one. So I'm going to have Daniel go back to 1 John 1, 9. So if you, if you don't know what to say when someone else confesses, this is a great thing to say. To look them in the eye, say, Jesus has forgiven you. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Like Jesus will make you white as snow. Jesus will, over time, turn you into a perfect person as you stick with him, right? Um, okay, so let's do this next step. How have you sinned this week? What did you do about it? Last little word and a prayer. But in a few minutes, this last question is, what has Jesus told you this week, and what are you going to do about it? And you, when you first hear this question, you might think, like, I don't know if Jesus told me anything this week. And that, like, that's, that's where we're, a lot of us are starting at, right? So don't feel like you got to make something up or come up with something. Like, I'm going to think back to every Jesus calling I read and like, oh, yeah, that was a good one. I'm going to talk about it. If it's not fresh in your heart, like, it's okay not to have anything to share. It's okay to say, like, nothing's really fresh. You want your group to see that. Like, if week after week after week nothing's really fresh, that's good for you to face. It's good for your group to know so they can encourage you. But if this week you had a big experience with Jesus, like it's also good to share about it. And if Jesus did tell you something, you should do something in response. So don't force this one. But if one or two people in your group want to share like, hey, Jesus really told me something positive and encouraging maybe. I don't know what it might be, right? But go ahead and share that with your group. And like I said, we got about seven or so minutes on this one. Some groups of five and different things. So like in January, groups might kind of move around a little bit. And then as the year goes, new people might come and form new groups. But ideally, your group's going to get set and then it'll be firmed up. Once your group's set, so that might be right now or it might be a couple weeks from now, then you're going to be committed to each other. And here's the rule I'm going to give to you. Once you solidify, like this is our group of four, is if one of your four drops out and stops showing up, like you guys that are still coming need to reach out to that person in multiple ways. So this is going to, we're just getting this out there on the front. Here's what we want to do. Because the thing that's going to really make this not work is if people just slowly drift off, Right? We've seen a lot of that at Maywood. Like someone comes for a while and then they stop coming and nobody reaches out. I don't want that to happen with scuba. So if someone stops coming, all of you are going to have 
like their name, obviously, but you're going to have their address and their phone number. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to actually call or text that person. Like you decide what's the right way with that person. It's like, hey, we missed you. If they still don't come back, I want you to give them a gift and say, we miss you. And I know like, whoa, we've gone way off the reservation of whatever is asked normally, right? So it's pretty wild to say like, oh, what? Like this is going to get awkward and weird. But I want you to go drop off at their house like their favorite candy bar from Quick Trip with a little note, right? Or write them a note and put a little gift card into it or whatever. But like you all know now, like an easily accessible gift for that other person. And here's what I'm going to say. If, if you stop coming to Scuba and three people call you and say like, Jake, we miss you, man. I wish you were here. And then three different Reese's peanut butter cups, like show up on my doorstep and I still don't come like then everybody needs to let me go. Right? Like we're, really awkward at that point, right? Just like, let them go. But I want everybody that's shown up here some and really opened up some, I want them to know that they're missed, to know that they're loved. And like a text or a phone call is good, but like Lance, Steve, maybe, Doug, you got still nothing. Okay. <laughs> I think it's really good to do the phone call. The gift is a whole nother level of like, I see you, I care about you. It doesn't have to be from Quick Trip if you want to give them a better gift in your reasoning, right? But I wanted all of us right out of the gate to have no excuse for like why we didn't reach out in a big way to that person. Because the truth is, like it's really hard to become the person that Jesus wants you to be. Like Jesus will push us to things we never wanted to do, right? To transformation. And if we have real friendships with other Christians, we can make it so much farther. It's like there are somebody in the room tonight is going to stop coming and then start coming again because somebody gave them a gift. Like I'm convinced that's going to happen at some point this year. And I'm also convinced there's going to be a couple awkward moments along the way too for somebody, right? But I think like the awkward moments are worth it for us as a group. So if you keep coming, if you don't come back after tonight, we're just going to let you go, right? But if you keep coming, that's what you're in for of like, we're going to have a group of people that really care about each other and that don't let go easily. Now, if you make the phone calls and you do the gifts and they still don't come, then you're released to that person and you can recruit another person to join your group of four, right? Um, but until all three of you have reached out to them, like, you need to keep reaching out. So, uh, okay, that's Scuba. I'm going to be here if you want to give, talk to me about any of it. Um, but thank you guys for coming tonight. I hope to see you guys again next Wednesday. And Marcus, would you close us in prayer? for tonight. Lord, thank you for all the blessings that you give to us. Lord, thank you for a, a, a chance to just go deeper with you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.